Um, you know, it's just some of the finest, most decent, caring, and loving people that I have ever run into in my life. And um, I'm proud to know them all. They're, they're just, I mean, it's, it was really, it was stunning. I mean, and it's, it's like I told Carrie, I said, you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of the times it was the, the comments and the prayers and the, the notes that people sent me uh, or calls that I got that, um, you know, kept my feet getting out of bed every morning. Um, super bunch of people. I mean, I am, I am more indebted to them than I could ever pay. But uh, they really, really were the, you know, they kept my boat floating on top of the water rather than letting it sink. And I, I owe them a lot. You got a, you got a great gang there. Well, you know, <clears throat> it goes to the community, not really to me. I, I mean, I, I do very little on there. I just let these folks run well, you got wild. the ball rolling. You, yeah, you I just let them run wild. The gasoline, you know? yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> just sit back like, whoa, this is getting crazy. Yeah. Um but uh, it did. It, it just it's it's a it's a wonderful. It's really a very, I think, amazing thing on this planet today that you can you know have that many people who are from so many varied backgrounds who think the same way and you know and are understanding. And in areas where we don't agree, we just agree to disagree and still be friends. You know. But um, you know, it's it's uh, that's that's such a refreshing thing, and it was. During that time, because, I mean, Trish was in the hospital from uh, towards the end of September until the after the middle of December, and um, never never really got out of the hospital. Um, and from that, that whole time, I mean, those people have just been, and afterwards and after Trish passed, they, they have just been so supportive and sending gifts and just it just just I mean, I, I couldn't. Like I said, I, I, if I start mentioning names, I'll leave somebody out. I might as well just go get the roster of everybody who's a member of Pain TV and just read it all out. It, it, that would take the rest of the show. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, it's good uh, people. I don't know what's going on with that crew. I think that um, I definitely think, and I I don't say this just because I'm trying to like you know kiss kiss ass or anything, but I think that to be able to listen to me every day. <laughs> It takes a special person to listen to me every day. And then also understand some of the stuff behind the anger and behind the jokes and the satire that I'm trying to say. And so I think it takes a special person and it takes a bright person and somebody who has um, also been uh, through the uh, through or either going through or graduate of school hard knocks. So it's a very select group and it's the show's not for everybody. We've learned that. And, um, Thank God if we stopped worrying about that. How are we going to do this? How are we going to? It it is what it is. We'll get the to the people we can get to. That's all. The, <laughs> that's all there is to it. There's no magic formula. But the people, I think, are uh, the cream of the crop. And I think looking at demographics and everything we know, and talking with people, and understanding also their their home situations. These people are leaders. They're looking for answers. They're like uh, shepherds. They're out there trying to figure out what's going on, trying to stay ahead of the curve. So it takes a special person to not live in the present and try to live in the future and try to map things out because we're <clears throat> in today's society, we're also caught up in the present with everything going on, the distractions, the you name it, you name it. So Well, they're, li- they're living in the future with very solid values from the past. Exactly. Exactly. They are very... You know, uh, 
very grounded with their um, their morals and their values and things like that. You know, th- th- these 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 are people who, you know, not only today would you want them as your next door neighbors, but I mean, they'd have been great neighbors back in the fifties and sixties and on. You know, um, they're just just good people, solid people, just you know, the kind you can count on. Um, but um, you know, and, and it's it's been their support that really got me through a lot of this and you know because the 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 real shock to me in in this trish trish had health problems starting back in 2010 and uh when she began to have heart problems and we were all over the place we we went ended up at the university of pittsburgh and uh medical center we had time up there and um down in um Georgia and just all around and um and then we ended up at this this hospital that's about 35 miles away from us um that that was one of the largest uh teaching hospitals in uh, the southeastern United States and it was you know people would come from all over the world to go to this hospital it was an um, unbelievable place actually it was started by RJ Reynolds the town of Winston yeah. Salem was well, Winston and Salem were the two main cigarette brands that R.J. Reynolds made, and um, and everything down there. The Reynolds building, the Reynolds uh, main central office building, is our sky, our one skyscraper down there, and it was the building that they patterned the Empire State Building after. It was the right. model for the Empire State Building. So uh, this was all started by R.J. Reynolds and. Um, and it was administrated by uh, the Baptist Church. The the I don't know if it was the Southern Baptist Convention, probably, but the the Baptist Church it was named Baptist Hospital. Um, and it was it was always a good hospital. I, I'll give you an example of how they used to be, because Trish was going there for years and having all kinds of procedures and stuff done, and she was racking up a whopping bill. And uh, it was getting to the point to where I could not keep up with the monthly payments as structured as high as they were. So I went into the business office and just said, look, I said, you know, I I make this much money a year and I need this much for electricity and this much for food and this much for gasoline to go to work. And, you know, um, and I said, and I'm not going to be able to make these payments as high as they are. And they said, well, let's, let's see what we can do about that. You know, and the lady gets on the phone, she makes a phone call. She said, well, I've talked to somebody here at administration and we're just going to forgive a large portion of your debt. Nice. I was going like, what? And they said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's they like, said, yeah. yeah. And they said, said, now, now that we can get your payment down to this amount. She said, can you live with this? And I was like, Oh yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> All day long. But I mean, it was, that, it was this kind of people that we were dealing with and she was getting the best quality of medical care that you could, you could imagine. Um, just super quality care. Well, in the last couple of years, this hospital was bought out by a large corporation. And this large corporation is one of the larger corporations in the United States that is going around buying up hospitals and medical practices. And it's happening all over the place. It's not just here. It's not, it's, it's, there is this huge giant push to have every doctor's practice and every urgent care and every hospital owned by some big corporation. So you got guys with MBA degrees 
making decisions over people's lives that guys with MDs used to make. And that has changed the whole nature of things. So this time when Trish went in the hospital, um, you know, she, she goes in and, and the first, well, what happened back in September, I was, she was having some trouble with some leg pain and stuff. And she was up pretty much most of the night. I was going to get up and go to work the next morning. It was on a Saturday. I got up about the time she was coming to bed and she's said, I'm going to lie down, take a nap for a little while. Uh, she got her, she was, she uses a CPAP. So she put her CPAP on and I went ahead and proceeded to get ready to go to work. So as I was going out the door, I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and give her her morning meds now. So I don't have to call her and wake her up. She has to go find them and stuff. So I walked in to give her morning meds and she was completely unresponsive. I mean, just right. She, she, she had a heartbeat and she was breathing, but outside of that, there was nothing else. So we rush her down to, to this hospital and to the emergency room and they, they come in and, um, they, they tell me that uh, she's had a massive brain hemorrhage and they think there's a blood clot in her brain. And next thing you know, she's off to, you know, um, surgery. And she was in surgery most of the day. And the neurosurgeons come in and they said she's made it through the surgery okay. She did have a massive uh, brain bleed. And, and I said, well, do you know what it came from? And they said, well, the trauma team who initially took over her care said that she fell. And I was going like, no, I was with her. We have a small house. I mean, if, yeah. if one of the dogs jumped you would know. the you would couch, know. Yeah. I'll know it. You know, so I would have known if she fell. So she, she did not fall. And they said, well, that's funny that you say that because when we shaved her head, there was no sign of an impact injury. Yeah. No bruising, no bumps, no scratches, no cuts. And we thought this is kind of odd. Somebody who has fallen and hit their head, there's going to be something that indicates that. Well, the trauma people did not want to relinquish her care to the neurosurgery people, which is who we wanted to be treating her all along because trauma kept saying she fell. It's like a territorial and, beef it comes down to oh, oh, follow the money much, scheme. It, yeah. it was a peeing contest from the word go. Um, and we just started to have problems from day one. Now, when the, the first day she was in ICU after the surgery, and the medical team comes around, and they're all trauma doctors. And I told them, I said, you know, she has a history of congestive heart failure. She's been treated by the heart failure team at this hospital for over a decade. And I said, I think you should consult with them and let them know that she's here. So that way they can monitor what's going on with her heart because, you know, it's a tricky situation. And they said, well, we know what we're doing. We handle all these things. You know, so I said, well, okay, you know, back off. You do your job. Well, she gained 27 pounds of fluid weight in like a couple days, like two days. That's the heart failure. Yeah. I well, mean, was anybody like monitoring her? I mean, wouldn't you pick that up? No, no, they, they weren't monitoring her at all. Right. I mean, I that's, mean, that's uh, ridiculous. I, I kept. I kept saying she's 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 swelling. Well, we're 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 gonna we're we're taking care of that. We're taking you know, you, you don't need to worry about that. You're not a doctor. You know, you just you know bring her flowers and keep her spirits up, and we we take care of the medicine. 
I said, I really think you should call the heart failure people in here. And they wouldn't do it. So when I asked, um, they moved her to an ICU unit again. And uh, I asked them to weigh her. And, you know, she was like 30 pounds up from where she was when she came in the hospital. So I got into it with the, the trauma doctor of the day. And the thing was, there must have been 100 different trauma doctors. We rarely saw the same one twice in four months. Yeah, and now you have Every, to be Matlock. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm telling them, you, you better get something done here. I said that the rule is heart failure told us that if Trish gained more than five pounds in one week, we needed to bring her down and admit her to the hospital. And they need to put her on diuretics and get that fluid off. And I said, she's gained 27 pounds or more in two days. And I said, if you don't get the heart failure people involved, I said, I will personally come after you. I said, I might sue the hospital. I might sue whoever owns the hospital. But I said, I'm coming after you personally. You know, I will sue you personally. And I said, you know, so you, you better do something. Because I said, if she dies because of this, her blood's on your hands and you're going to be held responsible. And he went off. He just turned So much for just yeah. bringing her flowers and keeping her in good yeah. mood. <laughs> it's so, like, wait a minute. You got to go like on the offensive with these people. Well, yeah. And 30 minutes later, the heart failure team shows up. And I reckon, you know, I know one of our heart failure doctors. And they're like, you know, who's in charge of this operation? You know, that, what the heck? You know, I mean, you know, how could they let this happen? And, um, it was just, just hubris that they knew everything and nobody else is supposed to know anything and they'll do what they want. They know what's right. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they have a godlike status in their own mind. And, uh, so they don't it wasn't like to be the, reminded otherwise. It wasn't the place that you first went to back in the day. It has no, it was a completely different place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's Guatemala, but it's, it's, that's a, that's a, you know, it's probably an insult to Guatemala. Yeah, insult to Guatemalan medicine. So um, the heart failure team got involved, and they got the fluid off of her. They got her back down, and um, and you know that that was we dodged that bullet. Like everybody's asleep, and I'm <laughs> after the show. I'm like, I think I'll go Le- condition. Leather clean and leather condition the couch and all these things, right? So when they came to me and said, hey, we want to sponsor some of your shows, I said, this is almost like, <laughs> wait till I tell my wife about it because she's always saying, hey, Mr. Leather, honey, <laughs> slow down on the leather, honey, etc." Well, here we go. Leather, honey, was invented in the 1960s, been around longer than I have. And it's been a family-owned and operated business ever since. Their American-made products are the premier non-toxic solution for all your leather care needs, making Leather Honey the number one best-selling leather care products on Amazon. So they sent me this thing over here real quick. Let me show it to you. So Leather Honey, Leather Care Kit since 1968, and they send these fantastic cloths over with, okay, with the conditioner and with the cleaner. Lint-free applicator cloths, leather cleaner, leather conditioner. This fantastic box. And even more important, because you listen to the show, they're going to give you a break on the pricing. But the kit they send contains everything you need to get started. Make sure the new leather items stay looking new and your older leather items look like new. I might have to upgrade. I saw that they have a, uh, 
some new products, a Leather Care Wipe Kit and the Leather Cleaner Spray Bottle with UV protectant. See all the ways Leather Honey's products can help prolong the life of your leather? Go to leatherhoney.com slash pain20, P-A-I-N-E-2-0, pain20, to save 20% on Leather Honey's complete leather care kit. That's leatherhoney.com slash pain20. This podcast is sponsored by Leather Honey, Amazon's number one best-selling leather care products. Visit leatherhoney.com slash pain20 to get 20% off your leather honey complete leather care kit. Well, they moved her from the ICU then. They moved her to a ward, a trauma ward. And uh, things really went from bad to worse there. Um, They removed her, the incision, her incision went from like just above her left eye, corner of her left eye, over top of her ear and around almost to her jaw. That's where they, they cut her to open her up to do the brain surgery. And that was all stapled together. Well, they took the staples out. And at the same time that, that they had done this, where she was, they were giving her medicine that would make her incontinent. And they were not giving her anything for sanitation to deal with the incontinence. Now, she could not walk. Um, she so was she's, out she's, of, uh, she's bedridden. Yeah. Which means that uh, they should be, I mean, you know, text, I mean, they textbook didn't even, is they should be monitoring her uh, extra because she's she can't get out of bed. They, they didn't have her on a pad of any kind. They didn't have her in a diaper. They didn't have her. She's just in the bed. And if she went, she went. And, uh, you know, one time I walked in, I had just gotten down to the hospital. I walked in and, I mean, she had, you know, had, you know, bad diarrhea. And I don't know how long she had been laying there. Yeah, but didn't she have like an open incision or something too? Well, yeah, they had taken the staples out. Yeah, so that's that's a bad combination right there. Bacteria. Yeah. Disaster. It, uh, It took over a half an hour from the time that I got there to get somebody to come in. And when I asked the little girl that came in to clean her up, I said, you know, I said, why, why, why does it take so long to get somebody to come in here and help? And she said, well, they only have two, um, CNAs, two nurses assistants for every 15 rooms. What do you do? Are you walking around the halls fuming at this point? Or, yeah. yeah, I would be fuming. Yeah. Like just it would be, the anger yeah. would be building with every step. And so, um, you know, and I'm, I'm getting into it with the charge nurse and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, this with problem with the sanitation and the incontinence continues. So I come in a day or so later, and the incision has burst open. Um, it has burst open to the point to where you could see her skull. The skin had pulled back on She's both She's just sides. sitting there. This is, this is ridiculous, the way you're telling yeah. me. You know I mean? It's almost like out of a movie. Yeah, I mean, things were better at Pennhurst. I mean, you know, um, she'd have done better if she was at Pennhurst. And, um, but, you know, they, you know, so it was, it was just a complete fight. So I call them in there and I said, look, her incisions burst open. She need me. I said, do you realize what is happening here? I said, I'm, you know, I've got a Boy Scout merit badge in first aid. And I can tell you right now that you don't have human waste 
any in any proximity close to an open wound, especially one that's in somebody's head where you can see their skull. You know, and they and it took them nine hours to get because the trauma people decided we don't do that kind of thing. We're going to wait till we can get a neurosurgeon. Well, neurosurgeons are busy doing neurosurgery. You know, they're doing serious spinal cord and brain surgery. So they're just not available at somebody's beck and call to come run, stitch somebody up. It took nine hours to get somebody there. And when the neurosurgeons came in, they went ballistic because they said, you know, who, who could allow something like this to happen? And, and it just, it was on and on and on. Well, they got her closed up and she was beginning to show signs of alertness. Now, jump ahead a few days and she, she seems to be doing a lot better. She had a speech therapist come in and do a, cog, a cognition test on her, and she passed that. Uh, she was doing well in physical therapy with her upper body. With her lower body, she still had to have help to stand, and she could not walk on her own. And couldn't even really walk on a walker. She had to have two people holding her. But we, we had started getting notes and calls and visits from the hospital social workers. And they kept coming in and saying, she needs to be out of the hospital. And I was going like, well, you know, why does she need to be out of the hospital? She's not healed up yet. They just reclosed her wounds. And she still is, you know, got lots of other issues to be dealt with. I don't think that she's ready to leave. Yeah. And they said, well, you can file a suit with, um, or you can file a claim on a grievance with um, Medicare and let them investigate it if you don't like it. But they said, but she's got to go. So we want her out of the hospital. And I kept saying, well, why, why is it her? I said, is our insurance not paying? I said, no, your insurance is fine. No problem with your insurance. So we just, we need her, we need her out of the hospital get her gone. And I said, well, you know, where do we, where do you want us to take her? And they said, well, we really don't care where you take her. But we'll tell you this much, that if you don't get her out by this date, we will put her in an ambulance and we will take her to the nearest place to this hospital that has a bed. And that's where we will leave her. And we don't care. You know, the place could be, you know, uh, a rat hole. Uh, We don't care. We don't we don't choose the facility. We find the closest one to the hospital that has a bed and that's where she's going. So we start scrambling. We start going around. We're talking to all kinds of people. We're not getting anywhere. I filed a grievance with the hospital, and I got a really nice letter back telling me basically I didn't know what I was talking about, and the doctors are, are they know they know what's going on, and this is really the best thing, and you know, just BS. And um, so we found a rehab center, a place where she could get really good. Yeah, I remember you telling me this. I remember you telling me this. Yeah, and and uh, and speech therapy, that kind of stuff. The lady, this was on a Thursday now, on a Thursday, the lady came and evaluated Trish. She calls me up and she says, I've evaluated your wife and I think we could do her a lot of good if she came to our rehab center. So we would love to have her. I'll reserve her a bed and hospitals don't like to transfer people over the weekend. So we'll set up for her to be transferred Monday. Like I said, this was Thursday. So the following Monday, she would be transferred. Great. Okay. Problem looks like it's almost solved here. 
So we, uh, and the place was cool. We could even bring the dogs over to see her, as long as we had their shot records. They said, even their dogs could come visit her there. Um, so we thought, okay, this is a pretty good deal. Well, Friday, she's a different person. She's combative. She's pulling IVs out. She pulled out a fully dilated Foley catheter. Um, yeah, what was going on there? She just, uh, well, what, what we didn't know was, you know, finally that ended up with her going back to the uh, intensive care unit because her blood pressure dropped really low and she was just completely out of her head, just like somebody threw a switch and she just became a different person and they had to put her in restraints and all this kind of stuff. And so I go down to the uh, ICU and it looks like there's these little blobs of Vaseline all around where they put the new staples in. And I asked the nurse, I said, is this some sort of dressing or medicine? What is this? And nurse comes, there's a guy, nurse came over and looked, and he took off like somebody, you know, threatened his life. And he comes back with two neurosurgeons, and next thing I know, they're telling me to get out of there, but they're going to prep her for surgery. Well, just hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Yeah. The story you're telling you, the only time anything happens is when you show up. <laughs> when you show up, what is going on there what? during the day when you're not there? It's like, oh, hey, you know what? That guy's here again. There's another problem. We should have checked on this patient. <laughs> well, when uh, you should have given me a white right coat. Right after Trish and I got married, um, she played on a lady softball league, and she got hit in the head by a fast pitch softball, and it fractured her skull and some of the bone fragments lacerated some arteries in her brain. Yeah. And they had to airlift her down to the hospital, do brain surgery on her then. And then not long after that, after she had recovered from that, she recovered completely, was doing great. And then her heart problems started and then all this. And somebody said, you know what? Trish was doing pretty good till she married you. And this and everything went to hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it works. It's not our problem. Yeah, not, after, after they agree to marry us, it's not. It's not yeah, so you're, you're not far off in that. So, <laughs> um, so when they, they took her in for surgery, what they found out was she had developed a massive infection in her brain. Well, you know, I mean, she's lying in her own waist. Um, it's all over her. Uh, her head is, open exposed to the elements uh is there any you know wonder why she got an infection but this infection was so bad they took out a piece of bone that was um uh, it was it was oval shaped but it was like maybe four five inches wide by four inches tall it's big it's bigger than the size of a grapefruit um piece of bone out of the side of her head and they could not put it back right because it was infected so they just basically restapled the skin over top of the brain and so um massive massive doses of all kinds of really exotic antibiotics and stuff and just you know they had to put a a special drain up through her spinal column into her brain to drain fluid off because fluid was building up. And this went on and went on and went on and went on until, um, you know, I mean, long story short, she just never really recovered from that infection. 
and she had moments. I mean, there were some moments towards the end where she had a few moments of lucidity where we could communicate and she knew what was going on. I mean, I would go in every day and play music for her. Um, and there were times she would, she would actually kind of wake up and sing along to the music as best she could. Um, but, uh, you know, she still couldn't speak, but she, she could mouth the words and you could tell what she was saying. And she could communicate by you know, writing stuff on a board and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. uh, but then she would drift off again. And, uh, and, you know, as of the last time they had uh, taken her, we were there, they took her for a, a brain scan. And when they brought her back to the room, she never woke up again. That's a tough trick. That's a tough trick, man. And I mean, that, that's, that's, you know, I mean, I've told you in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, what it took four months to do. So, I mean, but it was a fight. Every day was a fight. Every day was a fight. Um, you know, I, um, I, I just, I finally got to the place where, you know, I, I thought, you know, these doctors, you know, they're, I don't know. I don't know who trained them or where they trained, you know, the Mangala school of medicine or something. Um, some of them now, and I, and I will counter what I've said by, we also met some of the best doctors and nurses who live on this planet. Yeah. They are There's always good people, people that are peppered into these situations. Yeah. They're like hostages. Her, neuro, her neurosurgeons were, were just top notch people. And, um, uh, many of the nurses and PAs and people who, who attended to her were just, just wonderful people. But on the other side, there were some just downright Nazis. I mean, I just don't know what else to call them. They're just mean-spirited know-it-alls, and um, they didn't care anything about anything. And they didn't care about hearing from me or hearing from our kids or hearing from, you know, her brother, brothers and sister. Uh, didn't didn't want to hear anything. You know, they, said, they know what they're doing, and you hush. And I was even told that by one doctor. He said, you you got to understand 